0: Imagine there had to be a tremendous amount of fallout, both emotionally and spiritually for the disciples after hearing what Jesus told them in Luke chapter 17, this last half of the chapter that we looked at last week. If you weren't here, Jesus looked at his disciples and he told them, basically, there's going to be a time that I'm not going to be here with you anymore. And all these things that i promised you, all these things that you're following me for, all the things that you're longing for, you're going to desire for those to be here and you're not going to see them. And it's going to feel like they're not going to come. You're going to want to be with me and you're going to be longing for me and you're not going to be able to find me. And this had to be troubling. These men gave up their lives to follow after Jesus and they were willing to follow him wherever he led them. And as we see, as the rest of Scripture testifies, these guys had a hard life. And a certain part of that reality had to be settling in, that there was going to be a time when they were going to find themselves in a place of great need and feel like that relief, that end of that race, was beyond their grasp. And so to help with that, as he often does, Jesus tells a story. And I love this parable that Jesus teaches that we're going to be looking at today and every time I read it, I find something new that, that stands out. And the very first verse of chapter 18 is very unique because it's very rare that we get this kind of behind the scenes, this kind of insight into why Jesus is giving his parable from the author of the gospel. But Luke does exactly that. In chapter 18, verse one, it says that, and he, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they they, they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Jesus knew what the disciples had to be feeling after this bomb that he just dropped on them. And so Luke says he told them this parable and it went to the effect that they should always be in prayer and that they should never lose heart no matter what comes. And just like the disciples, we find ourselves in a place of waiting for Christ. To return and make everything right and everything new. And waiting for the Lord and really just life in general comes with all of its difficulties and can be hard and often be disheartening. But Jesus tells us and reminds us that we have the antidote for that feeling, which is prayer. And so this morning, we're going to look at Jesus's calling to be persistent in prayer as we wait for the Lord and as we work for his glory. And so let's look at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. This is the word of God. It says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because of this widow, because she keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? May God add his blessing and his favor to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Father, as always, we thank you for your word. And God, we just thank you for the heart of Jesus that he recognized and could see the despair coming in the disciples' lives. And because of that, he tells this parable, teaching us the importance of always praying and never losing heart. God, those two things go hand in hand so well. But also, without one, the other is hard to do. So God, teach us to be people who are always praying so that we never lose heart. So God, teach us through the story of this widow to come to you faithfully with persistence, making our needs and our requests known to you and trusting you in the time as we wait for you to make all things right and all things new, trusting you to be our good and gracious God who knows what we need and provides for his people. So speak to us and teach us through your Holy Spirit. and We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So let's look at this widow that Jesus tells us about. There's a few things in her life, in this story, that can really help us to understand how we should approach God being constant in prayer. And the first thing that we see that this widow does is that she recognized her need. She was good at being aware of the fact that she was in need. And I think as a whole, we people, human beings, especially modern current day people, are really good at recognizing superficial needs. We're surrounded by sources that can tell us all kinds of things that we didn't know we need, but turns out we really do. Whether it's through horoscopes or personality tests or social media, we have a variety of voices around us telling us the kind of person we are or the kind of person we should be and the things that we should think are important and the things that we should need. But when it comes to the realities the real needs that we have as real people, not ideas or lists of names and numbers and personality types, but the real core of who we are and the real needs that we have, the real dreams and desires and weaknesses, etc. We have a tendency to be a little more, I'm good, thanks for asking. We shove those things down and cover them with the superficial things so that we don't have to confront the reality that we have genuine needs, But this widow in Jesus's story, she knows what she needs. She comes to this judge and she says, give me justice from my adversary. And we've talked about this all through the book of Luke, that in this time period, widows were some of the most vulnerable people in society. They needed the most help. They were the easiest to be preyed upon. They had very little of their own. And so it would be easy to take advantage of these people. And so she comes to the judge and she says, someone is mistreating me. I have an adversary. I have someone who is giving me nothing but injustice and you need to make this right. And remember that Jesus is telling the story as a comfort to his disciples. Who would soon find themselves in a very unique place with a very unique need. Jesus says a time is coming when you'll be in need, when you're going to have something going on in your life that is going to feel overwhelming and I'm going to feel far away even though I'm actually very close to you. But when that time of need comes, don't ignore it. Part of this ability to be able to pray and to not lose heart is to recognize that there are things in our lives that can easily cause us to lose heart. But as long as there's been humanity, we've had this incredible art of just being okay and never vocalizing our needs, never, never speaking out about the things that cause us pain, that cause us frustration, that cause us difficulty. But the reality is, is that we need a lot. We all have a great amount of needs. We all need help. We all need forgiveness from time to time, whether that's from God or from other people, but it's usually from both. We all go through times when we have difficulties, where we need comfort and peace. We have situations where we need reconciliation in our relationships. We can continue going through all the lists of the needs that we have, emotional, physical, spiritual, and everything in between. All of us at some point in time find ourselves in a place of need. We need Jesus to return and make all things right and all things new. We are a people that are plagued with need. And so we shouldn't be afraid to vocalize it, to make our needs known. From the very beginning of this story, this widow recognized that there was something in her life that is not the way that it should be. And so she put that out there and vocalized it because she recognized her need and wanted it to be met. And so that's where it begins with recognizing our needs, recognizing our weaknesses, and making those things known. But she didn't just make them known to anyone, because not only did she recognize her need, but then she took her need to someone who could do what she could not. She took her need to someone who had the power. And so once we get to that point where we're able to say, okay, I'm not perfect, my life isn't all together, once we're able to filter through all the superficial things and find out where our real needs and our real weaknesses are, then what do we do with them? And this isn't a call to complain, because that could be the temptation there. The easy thing would be to just go out and complain about all the things that are wrong and wallow in self-pity and misery. But this isn't a calling to complain, but Jesus is giving us permission to petition. And that kind of rhymes, and it's nice. And again, there's alliteration there. There's a lot of that over the past few weeks in in my sermons. But we give this amazing permission to petition God and to bring our needs before the one who has the power to meet them. Because this widow not only recognized her need, but she was also wise enough to take it to the right place. She knew that as a widow, she had no power to get justice for herself. She had no power to meet those needs on her own. There was nothing that she could do, no way that she could readjust her life to be able to have these needs met and have her adversary overcome. And she said, you know what? I can't do this, but I know someone who can. Now, unfortunately for her, it was this guy who Jesus describes as a judge who neither feared God nor respected man and so he doesn't sound like most people's first choice he doesn't sound like the most pleasant of people to have to go to and to make your request known but it didn't matter to her she had a need and she recognized that there was someone near her that could meet that need and so she said i don't care what the result is of this i'm going to go to this judge and i'm going to make my request known and i wonder how often that we recognize our needs, but we just sit on them and we let them fester and do nothing about them. When all the while, Jesus is teaching us this. In verses six through eight, he says, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect to cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Jesus says, this woman was willing to take her request to this judge who neither feared God nor respected people. This person who was of abysmal character, who was cold and harsh and distant, she was willing to take her requests and make them known to this kind of judge. And Jesus says, all the while you have a God who loves you intimately, who designed you carefully, a God who has far beyond what you could ever desire or ask for. And he's calling you into his presence. Her only option was a wicked judge, but she knew he had the power, and so she went to him. Our God is a God of steadfast love, abounding in mercy and kindness, a good God who, as we just sang, works all things to the good of those who love him, and yet so often we choose instead to bury our burdens, or even worse, and this is the camp that I often fall into, try to solve them on our own. But in Luke chapter 18, verse 15, we see this amazing story that happens. It says, Now they, people that were gathering to hear Jesus teach, were bringing even infants to Him that He might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to them, saying, Let the children come to Me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And then listen to what he says in verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus, don't stop them from coming, but let the children with all their messiness and all their needs and all their weaknesses, let them come to me because that's how you enter into the kingdom of God like a child coming to God with all of our brokenness and all of our weaknesses and all of our needs. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In both of those instances, Jesus says, come to me, come to me like a child, come to me with your burdens, come to me with the heavy things that weigh you down and I will give you rest. And we need to be very aware here that when Jesus says these things, this isn't a request, but it's a commandment. It's a commandment that when we find ourselves in a place of need that we come to God and we make our requests known to God. And it's a commandment that He gives us that's born out of His great love for us. And it's meant to be practiced. These aren't just verses that are designed to be put up in children's nurseries or on our doorways in our houses. These aren't just cute quotes that Jesus gives us so that we can have comfort when we read the Bible. These are things that Jesus intended for us to do in our lives, to come to him like children, to come to him when we're weak and when we're heavy laden, and to find that rest that comes in Christ. And so when we're not doing those things, we're not being strong. In fact, we're being disobedient. Because we can feel like we get on God's nerves. We can feel like God doesn't have time for us. Or we can feel like we can just work all these things out on our own. And when we try to do that, maybe it makes us feel strong. But in reality, what we're doing is taking the commandment and the invitation from Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, to come to him and let him carry our burdens. We're taking it and ignoring it completely and trying to do things our own way. Instead, we should recognize the calling that we have as followers of Jesus to come to him. In Philippians chapter four, verses five and six. Actually, let me start at verse four. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, listen to that word, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 15, John says this, And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, We know that we have the requests that we have made from him. Over and over and over again, all throughout scripture, God's people are called to come to him with our needs, to not simply make our needs known to the world, but to make our needs known to the one who has the power to care for us in the midst of our need. The one who has the power that we don't. And so just like that widow, we not only recognize our weaknesses and our brokennesses, but we also have to recognize that we serve a God who not only has the power to care for those things, but who has the heart to care for those things. And so we should recognize our needs and make them known to God. And then finally, this woman, this widow, she persisted even when she was met with rejection. She continued coming time and time again, even after she met the word no. Now, rejection is a terrible feeling. Not that I would know. Not that I've ever not gotten a job, not gotten a yes when I asked someone on a date, not maybe not been picked for a team. Every time, 100%, 1,000% I would dare say. No rejection at any point in time in the course of my life. Of course that's not true we've all met rejection most of us time and time and time again and i would venture to say if you respond to it any like i do none of us enjoy it there's never a time when you put yourself out there to maybe ask someone out for the first time and they say no and you think oh i'm so glad <laughs> what a joyous feeling that was to put myself out there in such a vulnerable place for you to simply say no and walk away with disgust I'm sure there's never been a time when you go into a job that you're excited about and you want this job so desperately and you build your resume and you put everything together and you have the application in place and you sit down for an interview and they say, thank you, but we'll not be needing you here. And you say, oh, that is so wonderful and makes me feel so good inside because I so deeply enjoy rejection. It hurts. It feels terrible. It feels icky. It takes a long time to get over it. And it just really weighs us down. But this rejection that this widow encountered, this is a much deeper cut. Because again, she has nothing And everything that she does have now, there's someone that's trying to take it away from her and someone that is being unjust to her. And she takes this amazing step of boldness and vulnerability and she comes to this judge and she says, I need you to give me justice because someone is hurting me. And he says, nope. But she doesn't let that rejection weigh her down. It doesn't overwhelm her, but she comes back again and again and again. Verse four says, for a while he refused. That time and time again, this woman would come to him over and over and over again and make this request known saying, give me justice for my adversary. Give me justice for my adversary. And he said, no, over and over again until finally something changes and in what I believe is one of the most self-aware statements that has ever been uttered. The judge thought to himself, judge, self, me, though I neither fear God nor respect man, and am also incredibly self-aware of my shortcomings, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. He says, I'm just going to give her what she wants because she's driving me crazy. And because of her persistence, he relented. And in verse 8, Jesus tells us that her persistence is counted to her as faith. He says, when the son of man returns, when I do come back to make everything right and everything new, am I going to find that kind of faith of people who trust in God so deeply that they will come to God time and time and time again, making their requests known to him? The Bible is filled with examples of persistence, boldness in the face of God. People like Jacob who wrestled with God himself and held on and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. People like Daniel, who returned time and time again to that same window three times a day, even though he knew he was risking his life by doing it, he was going to stay persistent and making his requests known to God and spending time in prayer. People like Job, who had everything taken away, but still time and time again came to the God that he loved. People like Paul, And Paul says, I have this thorn in my side. I have this thing that's causing me weakness and brokenness. And I came to God time and time again. And I said, take this away from me. But every single time God says, my grace is sufficient for you. See, they recognized with relentlessness that they served a God who was good and powerful enough to either meet their needs or to help them endure in their time of weaknesses. I think too often we are too polite in our relationship with God. And I know we've talked about this before, but we often treat God like a nice old stranger that we meet from time to time. And we deal with him with incredible politeness and also a certain amount of distance instead of treating him like a good father. Because Jesus says to come to God like children. Come to God with that spirit of adoption crying Abba Father. And children don't worry about their poise when they talk to their parents. Trust me, you wouldn't believe how my children talk to me sometimes. And they're very tiny. But they don't worry about poise or composure when they come to their parents because they know that when they make the request known to their mom and to their dad that they are going to be in a place that is safe for them to come and to be weak and to be broken. And that's how Jesus tells tells us to come to God, to come without decorum, but to come persistently to God, knowing that he is our good father who loves us unconditionally and loves us as we are. You see, not only is persistence not an inconvenience to God, but Jesus longs to see that kind of faith in his people. He desires us to be the kind of people who come to Him time and time again in the midst of our needs because we can't do it on our own. He says, come to me when you're weak and when you're heavy laden and I'll give you rest time and time again. Come to God like children, knowing that you can't solve these problems on your own, but that you have a God who can either take care of your problem or take care of you as you struggle through it. Do we have needs? Absolutely. Do we have a God who is able? Yes, we do. And do we have permission? Do we have a commandment to persistently make our requests known to God? Yes, we do. And so the important question is why don't we? Why don't we do this that God has called us to do to be faithful in our prayers and to be constantly seeking after Him and to be coming with Him through every season and every trial and every period of brokenness and weakness? In the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16-18, through Paul says this, Rejoice always, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, we can spend a lot of time trying to figure out what is God's will for my life. But it's amazing how clearly and distinctly Scripture tells us what God's will for our life is. And one of those things that that, that Paul tells us is God's distinct will for our life is that we pray without ceasing. That we continuously come to God with everything going on in our lives. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. To come to him with thanksgiving, but also to come to him in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our weakness. And so we have to learn to really be a people of prayer. And when I say we, I mostly mean me. Because prayer can feel like something that we do out of ritual or out of habit or maybe in the times when we remember it. But Jesus is telling us here that we should be constant and persistent in our prayer lives. And so we have to learn to really be people of prayer, to really believe that we have full and constant access to the God of the universe. To really believe that not only does He allow us to come to Him persistently, but He wants us to come persistently and He delights in us when we come. Even with all of our annoying nonsense, it delights God for us to come into His presence and make our requests known to Him. And so we need to learn to believe these things so that we can actually do these things. We need to pray constantly prayer of John who says, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus, because our needs are too much for us to handle. And we know we have this promise that one day Jesus is going to make everything right and make everything new. And so we should be praying constantly that Christ would return and bring peace once and for all to our world. We should be praying for our personal needs. It is not a problem to pray for yourself. In fact, we are commanded to pray for ourselves, that God would take care of us on a daily basis, that he would give us our daily bread, and that he would also forgive us of our debts to meet those needs, physical, spiritual, and emotional, and not to ever feel like we have run out of room with God, that we've met our prayer quota, that he's going to get tired of hearing from us, but to make those requests known to him on a daily basis, and as we do, guess what? We can pray for other people as well. God is never going to get tired of hearing about those things. God is never going to cease giving us strength and saying, you know what, you've asked me too many times, and so now you've got to deal with it on your own. But what we'll find is that those two things that Jesus sought to help his disciples with as he gives the story will help each other out. That as we always seek to pray, we will find that less and less we're tempted to lose heart. The more we pray, we'll find that God is either going to care for us, that God is either going to take care of our needs and take those things away from our lives, or he is going to prepare us and help us to be able to endure those things as his children as he walks through those storms with us. And so let's be people of constant prayer. And let's start now these aren't our opinions. This isn't something that that I just made up this week. These are the words of Jesus teaching us to come to him persistently. And so let's read this. If you have to read this every day of this week or every day of your life, let's read it over and over again until our hearts and our minds start to believe that it is really true, that God desires for us to come into his presence. And as we learn to believe these things, let's put our belief into motion by actually reflecting this widow, coming to God persistently, making our requests and our needs known to the one who has the power to help us but we should also be praying for our church with that same kind of dedication with that same kind of persistence everything that we do here is redeeming grace community church it can only work it can only be of benefit to to the world and to the kingdom of god if we are being motivated by prayer and the power of god himself And so as we pray persistently for Christ to return, as we pray persistently for our needs and for the needs of others, let's also pray persistently and daily for our church, that God would continue to use us, that God would continue to strengthen us, that God would continue to grow us so that we can continue going out and doing what we're called to do. And this lays a foundation for what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. As we take a a short break from the Gospel of Luke and we talk about who we are as a church and what our vision and our mission is to go out and to, to reach people for the Gospel, to see people saved, to see people baptized, and to see our numbers grow so that we can continue on a larger scale doing what we're called to do. And so I want to ask you, as you learn to believe these things about God, that He calls us into His presence persistently, And as you learn to pray continuously for yourselves and for those around you, to also pray with that same kind of persistence for our church. That every day, each and every one of us would find ourselves in the presence of God praying for Redeeming Grace Community Church and our work and our mission in this community. And so I told you during the announcements, please plan on for the next few weeks to be back here as we talk about these things and as we seek to glorify God through the things that we do. But it all starts with prayer. And so let's do that now, asking God to give us the clarity of heart and mind to know that we can come to him without penalty or without irritation, but that he calls us and welcomes us into his presence continuously. Let's pray.